Chapter Forty of Molly's Prince. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Molly's Prince by Rosa Nushet Carey. Chapter Forty: The Veiled Prophet we are ne'er like angels till our passions die thomas decker a heart to resolve a head to contrive and a hand to execute edward gibbon the evening before waveney and molly returned to cleveland terrace there was a family gathering at the red house everett ward and his son and lord ralston dined there Waveney had secretly hoped that Mr. Chater would have been invited, but Althea, who was not aware of the girl's secret, had said, more than once, that no outsiders were to be admitted, and Waveney vainly tried to hide her depression. In spite of homesickness and longings for the society of her twin sister, she had been very happy at the Red House her affection for althea only had deepened with time and the thought that she was no longer to minister to her comfort filled her with profound sadness deerham and erpingham had grown very dear to her and the idea of separation from her kind friends made her heart heavy you will often be with us althea said trying to cheer her do you think doreen and i mean to lose sight of you no my dear no once loved is always loved that is the hartford motto and most certainly you are not losing your friends no but it will not be the same returned waveney sadly but the real cause of her depression was not the parting from her beloved queen bess if she could only say good-bye to her other friend if she could see him again and have some look and word to treasure up in her memory on the last porch house thursday he had hardly spoken to her it almost seemed as though he had avoided her and certainly there had been no farewell most likely he would expect to see her on the following thursday and then althea would tell him that she was gone waveney tried to console herself with the thought that she would see him at the wedding for both he and his sister were to be among the guests but when one is in love even five weeks absence seems like an eternity in prospect and thoroughgood silence influence and unspoken affection was already dominating waveney's entire nature it was a sultry july day and althea had proposed to doreen that ices and dessert should be served in the veranda of the porch house overlooking the tennis lawn and when dinner was over she led the way to the garden when they came in sight of the veranda lord ralston expressed his approval with his usual frankness but everett looked at althea rather meaningly 
it reminds me of kitlands he said in a low voice don't you remember you often had dessert on the terrace and althea smiled assent dory and i are very fond of these alfresco meals she observed i think in summer we should like to have them all in the open air and then as they seated themselves in the comfortable hammock chairs doreen came across the grass with some letters in her hand she had intercepted the postman on his way to the house they are mostly for me she said looking at the addresses one from aunt sarah and another from laura cameron and mrs bell's account yours will keep althea it is only a business-looking document from mr duncan correspondence with one's family lawyer is not particularly interesting added doreen briskly is old andrew duncan still in existence asked lord ralston casually as he handed an ice to molly everard looked up quickly andrew duncan and son of number twenty one lincoln's inn i did not know he was your lawyer miss hartford but noel suddenly broke in why that is our duncan father he exclaimed rather excitedly the veiled prophet is his client you know that reminds me he went on with a glance at his sisters i am going to beard the old lion in his den one of these days the veiled prophet shall be unmasked as sure as my name is noel ward noel is speaking of the unknown benefactor who is so generously educating him exclaimed everard the silly children always speak of him as the veiled prophet but here he stopped suddenly as though he were shot he had been addressing althea who was sitting near him but at his first word her pale face had become suddenly suffused with a painful flush which deepened every moment that scorching blush seemed burnt into her very soul as she sat with downcast eyes unable to say a word will any one have any strawberries asked doreen hastily althea's confusion filled her with compunction and she was anxious to atone for her carelessness she handed some to everard as she spoke but he waved them aside with some impatience good heavens was it you althea he asked in a tone of dismay then noel sprang from his chair it is miss hartford he said loudly by jove this is a surprise and the boy's face grew suddenly red all these years we have been talking of the veiled prophet and it never entered into our heads that it was a prophetess my friend the humorist has evidently hit it observed moritz airily but he was looking keenly at althea other people can play comedies he said to himself and then he twirled his mustache until it was perfectly ferocious looking and fell into a reverie poor althea tried to speak tried to rise from her chair 
but two pairs of white arms kept her a prisoner waveney and molly were kneeling beside her dear dearest miss althea was it really you asked waveney and the tears were running down her face and molly was covering her hand with kisses how could we guess that you were noel's unknown friend hold your tongue old storm and stress interrupted noel with boyish abruptness a fellow can't edge in a word with you women it is for me to thank miss hartford it is for me oh confound it all and here noel to everybody's surprise and to his own too suddenly bolted let me go to him pleaded althea gently she had not said one word or lifted her eyes to everett's face as she passed him her dress almost brushing against him he made no attempt to detain her doreen followed her and then moritz joined the agitated little group my cousin is a good woman he said with solemnity as though he had just discovered the fact she has noble purposes and has the courage to follow them out i admire especially the finesse and cleverness with which she has elaborated and carried out her beficient scheme it might almost be compared in its grandeur of conception and its marvellous diplomacy with another drama of human life in which i have played a part and here moritz looked at his young fiancee and his humour changed come and take a turn with me molly darling he whispered in the girl's ear and then waveney and her father were left alone no one ever knew what passed between althea and noel in the porch house but for the rest of the evening noel was unusually grave and thoughtful but as althea was able to return to the veranda where the lad had already betaken himself she came upon everard he was standing alone in the porch and was evidently waiting for her it was now late and the moon had risen and everard's face was illuminated by the white light at the sight of him althea's assumed calmness vanished but she tried to speak in the old friendly way were you looking for me mr ward she asked hurriedly are they all in the veranda still yes he returned curtly but i have come to ask you a question althea why have you done this why have you heaped these coals of fire upon my head poor althea the avalanche had fallen and she had nothing more to fear never again as she told herself would she live through such a moment of humiliation and shame the purity of her motives and the absence of all self-seeking and consciousness would make it easy to defend herself mr ward she said in her sweet pathetic voice we are old friends and to me the claims and responsibilities of friendship are very real and sacred when your trouble came 
when you lost your dear wife i heard from a mutual friend that you were struggling in deep waters and that in spite of hard work you found it difficult to make ends meet that is true returned everard but please let me tell you everything she pleaded this mutual friend often spoke to me of your twin girls but one day he mentioned noel he is a bright little lad he said and very sharp and intelligent but ward frets sadly about his education he has no means of sending him to a good school and he is very down about it poor fellow those were his very words i never forgot them i know from your own lips what a bright happy boyhood yours had been you had told me so many stories of your eaten days and it seems to me so grievous that your son should be robbed of his rightful advantages you forget that it was his father who was to blame for that returned everard with emotion my children must reap what their father sowed when i married dorothy we made up our minds to renounce the good things of this life oh i know the name of your informant althea it was carstairs he was a good fellow and he was in love with my dorothy but when i carried her off he never turned against me i remembered that evening and how low i was in my mind about the poor boy but there i am interrupting you and you have not finished there is not much to say replied althea gently mr carstairs account troubled me greatly i wanted to help you but i knew and doreen knew too that any offers of assistance would have been indignantly refused we hartfords are obstinate folk mr ward and we love to get our own way and then and there i concocted my little scheme and my good mr duncan helped me to carry it out but for doreen's unlucky speech the veiled prophetess would have remained veiled and then she tried to laugh but the tears were in her eyes everard dear old friend you are not angry with me and she stretched out her hand to him angry returned everard vehemently one might as soon quarrel with one's guardian angel for heaven knows you have been an angel of goodness to me and mine no i have only been your friend returned althea a little sadly but now it is your turn to be generous and do me a little favor will you let me finish my work noel is a dear boy and i have grown to love him he and i understand each other perfectly it was always my intention to send him to oxford mr ward you will not refuse me this pleasure but everard shook his head we will talk about that later on when noel has got his scholarship and something in his tone warned althea to say no more she would bid her time she said to herself and then 
after a few more grateful words from everard she made some excuse and returned to the house but for some time everard did not follow her he lighted his cigarette and paced up and down the garden path coals of fire indeed they were scorching him at this very moment long years ago he had wronged this woman and she knew it he had inflicted on her the most deadly wound that a man can inflict he had won her heart and then in his fickleness he had left her and now in her sweet nobility althea had rendered him good for evil secretly and unsuspected she had befriended him and his but even now he little guessed the extent of her benevolence and that in the home for workers many of his pictures had found a place althea had kept her secret well good god he said almost with a groan why are men so weak and women so faithful i can never repay her goodness and then he thought of his dead wife dorothy had been the love of his youth she was the mother of his children he had never ceased to regret her loss and he had always told himself that no other could take her place in his way he had been faithful too but he knew now when it was too late that he had built his happiness on the wrecked hopes of another woman's heart the next day the girls returned to cleveland terrace althea had driven them to the door and then she left them everett was out but as they stood in the old studio hand in hand molly's bright face clouded i never thought it was quite so shabby she said rather dejectedly how bare and comfortless it looks probably waveney had thought the same but she played the hypocrite gallantly nonsense molly she returned energetically we are just spoiled and demoralized by all the comforts of the red house we will unpack our boxes and then we will put the room in order moritz has sent a cartload of flowers and it will be such fun arranging them and then molly cheered up but she had no idea as waveney chattered and bustled about that her head was as heavy as lead it was thursday and that evening mr chater would look for her but the place by nora greenwell would be vacant after the first day things were better lord ralston paid them daily visits and althea and doreen drove over constantly from the red house everett was generally absent he had not yet given up his drawing classes but the summer vacation would set him free waveney and molly contrived to amuse themselves they sat in old ranelagh gardens with their work and books moritz often followed them there sometimes when mr ward had a leisure afternoon he would organize some pleasure trip once he drove them down to richmond and they had dinner at the star and garter and one sultry july day they went by train to cookham 
and spent the afternoon in the quarry woods indeed moritz was never happy unless he was contriving some new pleasure for his darling the wedding was fixed for the tenth of august and on the third molly and waveney returned to the red house the trousseau was complete but there were finishing touches that needed molly's presence when she tried on her wedding dress and althea had flung over her head the magnificent brussels lace veil that was one of lord ralston's presents she and doreen exchanged looks of admiration she is almost too lovely althea said afterwards and then she is so unconscious of her great beauty i know i am pretty she once said to me and i am so glad for moritz's sake i think i must tell gwen that end of chapter forty recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c